It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. This is the Court Today replay on C103. This is Court Today. Court Today with Patricia Messenger on C103. And just before the children go back to school, it would be nice to get a little blast of sunshine, wouldn't it, in the forecast? Certainly looking good for the weekend. Let's keep our fingers crossed on that. A very good morning to you. You're welcome along to the programme. John Paul, taking your calls at 1850 333 103. You can text or WhatsApp at uh, 0862103103. And don't forget, you can also send us a private message message on by via Facebook Messenger. We're on C103 Cork on uh, Facebook because I know yesterday was a particularly busy day and I'm always aware of people getting frustrated when they can't get through on phone lines. So there's so many different ways if you really want to make contact uh, with us and of course we love to hear from you. Actually yesterday and across the last few days and even I have to say the back end of last week we were getting calls in from listeners asking us if we could find out how long more was the northbound lane on Mallow Bridge going to be closed because it's causing huge traffic delays particularly early in the morning and in the evening time there are traffic delays all over the town as people have to take a diverted route in order to get across the bridge and people are worried about school starting and a lot of schools I've been speaking to a lot of children and of course all the questions at this and when you go back to school when you go, and they love that question don't they? and there's an awful lot of schools reopening this day next week the 29th of August now that's not to say that we won't have some children going back to school earlier than that next week because a lot of the schools will stagger the back to school like they'll bring the first years maybe the secondary schools will bring the first years in give them a day on the campus in the school on their own before they bring in the rest and they might bring in the exam students uh, ahead I think with the primary schools they all have a tendency to start together don't they and usually the little ones the junior infants might come in an hour later on the first day but generally speaking they have a tendency to all start the same day so it looks like it is going to be this day next week for most schools uh, starting back and that's ahead of the old traditional not going back to school until the 1st of September but people in the Mallow area are worried that with the traffic delays that are there if the bridge isn't fully reopened in time for back to school what is going to happen and we had much speculation and rumours going around town I mean I heard at the weekend that bridge won't be open until Christmas people were adamant and everybody knew somebody who knew somebody who said it wasn't going to be open until Christmas so we said we would go straight to the horse 
ourselves and we would endeavour to find out. So we contacted Cork County Council to say, can you confirm or deny what is happening with the Mallow Bridge? When is it going to reopen? Because the the northbound lane has been closed since... It was the end of July and we were told it would be closed for the month of uh, August but was expected to reopen the end of August. So we were saying 31st of August, maybe give them right through to the last day. Well, Cork County Council have come back to say that the northbound lane closure will reopen either the end of August or the start of September. So they're not giving us, they can't give us a firm uh, date. They say with the current lane closure is complete, there then will be two lanes of traffic and a temporary footpath on the bridge. And then any further lane or road closures after that, any of the work will be carried out at night time. So that certainly is good news. So once it reopens, it will remain reopened for the duration of the works. But they're now saying start of September but they're still hanging in that it could be the end of August. So I don't have a firm date, but it's not going to go much further. I would take, reading from that, I would take that it's not going to go much further than, say, the first week, you know, first week in September. But it will coincide. It certainly will coincide with the start of back to school. So just to warn parents bringing children to school who have to access any of the schools on the south side of the town of Mallow, there will be some delays for the first certainly week or two. Be prepared for that. 1850 Coming up on the programme this morning, we're going to speak with Senior Line. Senior Line are a wonderful organisation and they operate, they're now on a, a completely free phone number. When they initially started, they were on those low call numbers, but they've since gone uh, totally free phone number and they operate daily, 365 days of the year. There's even somebody at the end of the phone line on Christmas Day, which I all think is really sad that an, an older person has nobody else to call except Senior Line on Christmas Day. But the volunteers are only too happy to have a chat with people even on uh, Christmas Day. But they emailed us and it was kind of an email that ca- caught our attention because the email was to do with uh, one of our own, a woman from living in the suburbs of Cork City, a woman in her early 70s who regularly rings Senior Line. And, her, you know, and big problem is loneliness. You kind of think, God, somebody living in the suburbs of, of Cork City, all of our city suburbs are so busy and they're, you know, they've got lots of, built up areas in them and families and people with busy lives and you know it just there's a, a you would think a lot of activities going on in those areas and you would think for an older person loneliness would be the last thing because there'd be so many people passing the door or so many places where an older person could go whereas we have a tendency to associate loneliness in older people with somebody living down a boring miles away from anyone else who's not going to see anyone the most they might see is if the postman calls and God knows the postman there's not many letters now getting delivered but every now and again the postman might call with the letter but there's nobody else really to call and that's what we associate with loneliness but you can be living in the middle of a city in a very built up area and you can experience loneliness so we're going to feature Senior Line on the programme uh, today. We heard yesterday confirmation that the old 
town hall building. It was a building in Clon that's affectionately known as the old town hall. It was used, I think it was, did I read, it was initially built as a school, but it's been used for a variety of uh, different uh, different activities, including at one stage it was used as the town hall in Clonakilty. Confirmation has come through that it's to be demolished as part of the flood relief work and it seems to have come as a bit of a surprise to people. People were not aware when all the planning was being put in place and plans were published and you could work out, you know, what roads were going to be closed, what, where was areas that were going to be dug up, what needed to be done in order to put the flood relief work in place. But it seems that very few people knew that the old town hall was to be demolished and it's a building that sits on its own. It's an old Georgian building and it's going to be demolished. And it's just one of those old buildings. And I know people will say, oh, for God's sake, it's an old building. It's, you know, it's in bad need of repair. But it's one of those buildings. So once it's gone, it's gone. You know, forevermore it will be gone. I mean, do we, and this is Heritage Week. Do we need to be looking at those old buildings and wondering, is there another way around this? Does it, now, if it has to go as part of the flood relief work, I'll put my hands up and say, well, that's it. I mean, we know the devastation that flooding has caused to businesses and to homes in the Clannacilty area. And you don't want anything that's going to stop the flood relief works. But the fact that it wasn't mentioned when all the plans and the environmental impact studies were put in place, I'm questioning why suddenly now is it being decided that this building is going to close. Your thoughts welcomed on that, uh, please. We're hearing about, and we have been hearing about this for quite some time, of delays in people getting their money back, their reimbursement for the fees they pay when they go generally speaking up north the cataract bus up to Belfast to have the procedure done now other people are going you can go to any EU country it's a cross border uh, initiative it's an EU directive you can go over to England and then I've discovered there are a number of people from Eastern European countries Poland Latvia Lithuania who are living and working in this country and if they are in need of an operation rather than being on a waiting list here they can actually go back to their home country under this cross-border initiative because they're living and working in this country and they can have the operation done in a private clinic in their own hometown in some cases I'm I'm assuming come back then and they get reimbursed from the the HSC and it seems there are a number of Eastern Europeans and I imagine English people are probably doing it as well because they can go back to England and have the procedure done there if they're living and working in this country. But there are delays now in people getting their money back. Now, the cataract operation, I think it's a couple of thousand euro, the cataract operation costs, but a hip replacement costs a lot more. I'm not exactly sure on the full figure, but we might find out a little bit more about that today because we're going to speak with a gentleman from the West Cork area who went to Belfast to have a hip operation done. Now, I understand people who go for the cataract operations and that's a fair, a simple enough procedure to go up on the bus you overnight you're done patch on your eye back on the bus and you're home and then you recover and you get your sight back and it's fantastic but a hip any kind of a an orthopedic operation that's a big big operation and you would really would have to have been in an awful lot of pain and kind of at the end of your tether to decide the best way for me to get my life back in order and to get out of this pain is to go to Belfast for the procedure. So I'm interested in talking to a gentleman who 11 weeks ago had his hip replaced. But he's one of the many, many people who are waiting for the HSE 
to get the money back uh, to them. And people have borrowed the money. So if you've borrowed the money, you're paying interest on it. And of course, when you get your money back, you just get the cost of the operation. You don't get your travel expenses. You don't get your overnight expenses. And you certainly are not going to get the interest that you have to pay or that you have been paying while you've been waiting for the cheque in the post from the HSE. Kind of it's a vict- they're a victim of their own success. The, the main reason for it is so many people are doing the cross-border initiative. And I think with Brexit, people who've been thinking about doing it have decided let's get underway because it seems to be still a bit of a grey area with Brexit as to what will happen to the cross-border initiative. So we'll talk about that. Would love to hear from anybody who did go either on the cataract bus or if you went and had a hip replacement or a knee replacement or some other procedure are you still waiting? How long have you been waiting? Or how long have you waited in the past? I think when this scheme initially got underway and when I would first have started doing interviews about this with Deputy Michael Collins in West Cork who started organising the buses, I'm open to correction, but I think it was about 30 days. I think it was about a month people waited and that was fine. You, did, you know, but paperwork, get the paperwork in and then the paperwork has to be processed. Anyone, anyone would wait uh, a month, but it seems to be three months and more from what we gather is what people waiting, are waiting at the moment. So we'll chat about that. We're also going to hear from some of the Roses of Trilly who were in Cork yesterday. They stopped off in Carrigaline and they're on this kind of tour of the country. They they have an amazing week before the actual event itself proper in Tralee. Looks like an incredible week. But it seems they haven't stopped off in, in Cork in many, many years. I don't know why that is. So they were in Cork yesterday and we sent one of our roving reporters, Maureen Tui, down to have a chat with the Roses. And a lot of the Roses have a Cork connection, which is great. It would be great if we had a win that had some kind of a Cork connection if our own Cork Rose can't win, of course. So we'll, we'll hear more from the Roses yesterday. Member from Gartha Shikona will join us for Crime File and Jane Pickett will answer all of your pet questions. Martin in Mallow was listening with interest to me talking about Cork County Council who've confirmed that the works on the Mallow Bridge are on schedule and with the current northbound lane closure set to reopen end of August slash start of September. No official date but in that kind of ballpark last week in August, first week in September. Martin says, Patricia, just to let you know, Davis College in Mallow, the first years are actually starting back to school tomorrow morning. So they're going to have to deal with the bridge uh, closure. And Martin says, as it stands, he says it doesn't look very finished to him. So he's not confident it will reopen for September. Well, they're te- the powers that be are telling me that it is all on schedule. So we'll have to wait and see. And actually, when I was talking about schools, I didn't realise that some of the schools are actually opening this week. So Martin says Davis College, the first years they're in tomorrow, was just to get them used to the campus and all of that. Someone else has been on, says, Trish, you're talking about kids going back to school. Secondary schools in Bandon are back today and tomorrow. Crazy. Too early. Is that the entire school is back today and tomorrow? But the first years today, is it? And everybody back tomorrow? That does seem incredibly early start to the school year. They'll all have to still put in the same amount of days. They're obviously holding days for some other, at some other stage during the year or they'll close earlier next June. That does seem today as well, the 22nd of August. It's almost over a full week away from what would have been the traditional opening 
of schools because I was saying it to Simon this morning when we talked about the Rose of Tralee that was always kind of you benchmarked the year by the Rose of Tralee would come on the TV and you had a week left to your holidays <laughs> and you knew then you were going back to school but I suppose the GAA are to blame on this as well by moving the All-Ireland hurling finals and football finals that was always something the Rose of Tralee were on you went back to school and then you still had the All-Irelands to look forward to, particularly if your county was involved. And I, and I wonder, are schools missing out on the hype? Because if you lived in an area that was steeped in GAA tradition or that had players on the team that were once pupils of the school, oh, the hype in the schools, was all oh, that's gone, isn't it, with the All-Ireland being held in, in August? But anyway, but usually, yeah, the Rose Tralee and the Rose Tralee hasn't even been on the TV yet and we already have children going back to uh, school. Thank you for your text. And we're going to be talking in the after, about 20 past 11 about the HSE and the delays in reimbursing people who went cross border on the Belfast to Belfast in the main to have cataract or hip operations done there's a delay in the payment coming back and it can cost a lot of money and I was wondering about the hip operations and how much did that cost Texas said I had two hips done up north in four months well done it cost €12,000 it's now 12 weeks and it'll be another four weeks at least so I'm assuming this is for the repayment of the second now it cost €12,000 that's 6000 for each hip or 12000 per hip Either which way, the listener has waited tw- has 12 weeks post-op and no doubt your life has changed and you're doing really well and you're up and at them and out of pain, which is always the big one. Whenever you hear somebody having a, a hip operation, they always talk about that incredible pain and how it's gone when the operation, once they've recovered from the operation. But this listener reckons 12 weeks waiting and will be waiting another four weeks, which will bring it to 16 weeks almost four months when we were initially told you'd have your money back in a month. That's a long, long time. And if you're, as I say, my point is if you're borrowing the money and you're paying interest, it's going to be a cost to the patient. Record today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. Now, Senior Line is a confidential listening service for older people provided by trained older volunteers and it operates on a free phone number every day from 10am to 10 PM. This week we received an email from Senior Line outlining how lonely summertime can be for some older people, even those living in built up areas. And MC is communications manager with Senior Line and she joins me. Good morning to you, Anne. Good morning, Patricia. Uh, and and you, you're welcome. Now the email was about Catherine, which by the way is, n- is not her real name, no. who's one of our own. She lives here in a suburb in Cork. She's 71 and she's lonely. Uh, just tell me a bit about Catherine. Yeah, Catherine is, I suppose, typical of many undramatic, ordinary life stories that are all around us. Catherine began phoning us some time ago. Lovely woman, um, married but lonely, which might seem like a contradiction in terms. She's been unhappily married for a long time. She's a very discreet kind of private woman and is still loyal in the way she discusses her situation. Um, She would say that, you know, 
if she's looking back over things that perhaps she should have left in earlier times, but she said they were different times and it didn't seem to be an option. She had young children. She now has a grown-up family. She's grandchildren. And her life is, is fine. You know, it's as I say, it's not terrible, but she's lonely. And some of the loneliness is about unfulfilled dreams or looking back over a life that there were missed opportunities and what, what, what the life she didn't have. You know? So she's got regrets. She has regrets. That's that's the word. So, like when she began phoning us, it took a while, and we got we've got to know her over the years. As we many many callers, it's it's a relationship, and she phones some days when she's a bit down. She has she wouldn't discuss her situation with with neighbours. Um, she has one or two good friends, but she said paradoxically, the fact that it is a phone line and that she will never meet us gives her a kind of an autonomy and a safety and she feels free in talking to us about what might be happening and how she feels. Yeah, and I just, I thought it was so sad to hear, you know, this unhappy marriage and now at 71 realising, you know, a life lost. Yeah. uh, Whereas if she'd gotten out earlier, you know, things things, uh, could have been different. Do do you think her family, her children would even be aware of how she feels? I think not to the extent that we might be in some of her own contemporaries because I think it's their dad she would be talking about and that's she seems to be very you know, she, her values are very good we feel and you know we even don't know the full story because she's free to tell us what she wants to tell. So I would think no a certain uh, uh, children don't know everything and I think that's kind of the value of a phone line for older people with with a peer service because she's talking to other older people and we all have our regrets or are looking back over life so there's a lot of mutual understanding and acceptance there you know yeah and and, and what what can you do about regrets then? well uh, uh, there's no there's no lot we can't do because i mean it's patricia's it's 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 Catherine's life and um so i mean she she phones us a lot because she gets a lot out of it and she gets a lot out of it because she feels heard. So what we do is listen without a judgment and listen with kind of an empathy and listen with understanding. And Patricia, it might sound very little, but in fact, it's loads. If you're not getting it anywhere else and you kind of feel somebody understands yeah. and, you know, she sometimes needs to go back over stuff and maybe I should have gone and all this. And it's about her knitting back her life and making sense and coming to some peace around the decisions she did make. And she has grandchildren? She's grandchildren. Yeah. And uh, yeah, she's children and grandchildren. And uh, and they and they bring joy to her life. Oh, very much so. And her children bring joy. And I mean, there isn't fisticuffs or anything with her husband as far as I can gather. It's just and loneliness. It's just there isn't a meeting of hearts and minds. Mm. Uh, and maybe there never was, or maybe they grew away. And I suppose, Patricia, you know, Catherine is not untypical. Yeah, you would. Yeah, I, I imagine she's not. I imagine no, there are. She's not and, and you're right when you say, you know, women of a certain generation, that even if she had been in a miserable marriage, mm. there was almost the. You made your bed, you lie on it. Well, there was the, the the sanction of society if you left. There was the sanction of church. There was the sanction of family. Uh, you know, Catherine would be typical that she uh, left um, 
state employment on marriage, as most of people of 70 plus did then. And so she had her housekeeping allowance and she had, you know, and she was, I, I, I don't think he, he sounds mean or anyway, but where would she go? Where would she live? What would she do, mm. you know? I remember now, it's almost 30 years ago when I started mm. doing this programme, speaking with a woman who spoke about a silent marriage. And, oh, and it was a very yes. rural area and yes. raised a family where her husband, when I spoke to her, it must have been 25 years he hadn't spoken to her. And I even said, what, you know, was a row? And I said, what was the row about? And she said, I can't even remember. Yeah. And he used to leave notes and he used to speak to yeah. her through the children. And when she contacted me was because the children were now gone. Yeah. And the silence in the go-betweens in the, were yeah, gone. And the gone. Si- Dreadful for the yeah. children as well. Can you imagine? And like that, when yeah. I said to her, would you not leave? And she said, and Patricia, where would I go? Yeah. Where would I go? Where would I go? Yeah, yeah. so, and, I and go? unfortunately there wasn't a service uh, like yours. I would have been directing her straight away to yeah. um, to yeah. Senior Line. So, yeah. so, and that's the message we're trying to get across to people today, And Senior Line is there. We're here. Uh, and we're here for to anything, talk, yeah. big or small. We're here to listen. We're here to, uh, in Patricia's case, my apologies for using Patricia's because I'm talking to you, Patricia. That's okay. In, in Catherine's, Catherine's case, case um, we, in earlier calls, we did go through options, what if and what if, and we all realised that this is Catherine's life and we respect her life. So in with some callers, if they phone and they have a problem they want to tease through and they feel there is an option, let's discuss that option. There's, there's a real value in looking at unpacking a problem and seeing what people might do. But with many callers, it's being with them and it's, you know, um, keeping them company and having them, allowing them speak and really encourage them and again, helping them to clarify what they do want to do in situations. Yeah, because sometimes they have the answer themselves, but they just need to talk Almost it through. Almost always. Yeah. Almost always. And how long, okay, how often would Catherine call you? Catherine would call us maybe, maybe once a week. Okay. And yeah. how long would she stay on the phone? Varies, varies. I mean, um, with regular callers, sometimes, I suppose 20 minutes max and sometimes right. much much shorter calls you know it's 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 almost a friendship now it's a relationship we've never met it's extraordinary really and yet we know her and we care about her and would she look for particular volunteers or would she know the days a particular volunteer was on no no don't encourage that and okay. and, and because it would see we we're, we're a service that's open every day of the year from 10 until 10 so there's volunteers coming on and off duty but i suppose there's a whole ethos within the organization and and sometimes it's lovely for Catherine to get different people mm. because there's a whole richness there, do you know? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. You were established in 1998, 21 years ago. Is the service as busy as ever? It's as busy as ever. Uh, yes, it is. And yet, I suppose, as the lives of older people have changed, like, you know, Catherine would be, uh, uh, you know, uh, an example of that. There are new issues come come in. I mean, we new new callers might have different issues around. We're getting kind of some women or men who might be separated or we're getting a little, not a huge amount, but some elder abuse, some suicide stuff. Not a lot, I hasten to add, but life in Ireland has changed for older people as well. Mm. You know? Absolutely. So there are Absolutely. more serious issues that we have to deal with. And, and so that's why our, all our volunteers are trained. And I suppose the big thing is, Patricia, that it's here, that it's older people being with older people.
Yeah. yeah. And tell me, and tell me about your volunteers. What do they gain from the work? Well, if you ask them, they'll say that they'll get, you'll get a variety of answers. Some people um, would say, and it sounds a cliche, I know, but it's not because they're saying what they feel. I want to give something back that I've, you know, I've, I've had a good life, and I feel I've learned, and I've learned from experience, and I have some maturity, and I'd like to give something back. Some people use senior line to help them transition into retirement and to get over that, you know, what will I do after I stop working myself in paid employment? Women and men both say this, and they feel they've, they're now using their skills in a different way. A lot of people say that being on senior line is a huge eye-opener, that you get a whole insight into people that you never got before. Mm. Some people tell us that our training is all about very kind of listening and they they really feel they've used skills as they transfer then into their own lives so people get and then of course people get to know each other and we have a whole uh, program of continuous professional development for our volunteers so there's a whole camaraderie and a whole friendship post retirement well which is lovely well done and that of course is, is one of the things for older people is to is to try and stay connected isn't it with, the, with, it. with their local community that's it that's it. Oh, so it's win-win, really. We did an interview uh, only, was it earlier this week or last week, on bridge and uh, bridge classes, and they're starting in September. And it was one of the points that was made. It's a great way for older people, but it's for all age groups, but yeah. for older people to connect and to get out. You can go on your own. You know, and great you, for the brain. And great for the brain. Great yeah. for the brain. Listen, great Anne, it's yeah. always a pleasure to talk to you. May I give our free phone I number? I was just Michelle. about to do it, but you can do it yourself. <laughs> Off you go. So it's 1800 80 45 91 and we're open every single day of the year including Christmas Day from 10 in the morning till 10 at night. Okay. And we'd love to hear from you. You do fantastic work and thank you for that and we'll Thanks talk so again. so much Patricia. God bye bless. Bye bye. Uh, and MC, great woman, uh, communications manager with Senior Line 1800. So it is a free phone number 1800 80 45 91. Get weekly news, event updates and community information from across Cork with our regional reports on c103.ie. From Bantry to Buttevant to Hallow to Dunmanway and every area in between, we've got it covered. To listen, go to c103.ie and click regional reports or download the C103 app and click podcasts. Regional reports only on C103. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. Now, it's been confirmed by Ward and Burke Construction that they will demolish an historic 1820s building in Clonakilty, which is owned by Cork County Council and it's part of the OPW's flood relief works. The demolition will take place, I believe, next Monday, but not everyone is too happy about it, including local community activist Humphrey Deegan, uh, who joins me. Good morning to you, Humphrey. Morning, uh, And you're welcome. Now, it's a building known in Clon as the, the Old Town Hall. Just outline the history of this building? Well, it's back from the early 1800s and it has had a checkered history from uh, a, a medicine meeting hall to library, town hall, I suppose, council office, you name it. Uh, dentists even operated out of it. The HSE had, um, or the Southern Health Board back in the day, had um, had a clinic there. Many of the young girls and by from Tranicilty had a tooth removed at great pressure there back in the day. But it's it's look it's it's a very unique building. It's it's one of the I think it's the only um detached Victorian building I'd say left in Tranicilty, but definitely in that part of Tranicilty. And it's just 
Does it have any protected status? Uh, I'm not sure. I thought it. I thought it did, but I was reading online there then that um, the that there was some kind of a, a notifiable status on it that the that the Department of the Environment would have to give permission for the the knocking of this, and I don't know whether that's true or false. But in the lack of information, I suppose in the lack of clarity from the council and from the OPW, uh, as uh, Trump would say, we have the fake news. So. I don't. So no. You don't. Okay, to, to people outside of the area, it's uh, I guess it's a detached building. The condition of it? Oh my God, it's in trash. And it has been allowed to get into trash. Look, back in the day when we were in the council, um, every member raised the condition of the roof and there was pigeons flying in and out of it and there was slates left off it. Look, it was left going to complete and utter disrepair. It got badly flooded. Um and the excuse was it got badly flooded a couple of times. But in my lifetime, that thing has been badly flooded on numerous occasions. So one extra bad flood did not finish that building off. But that building has been written off by the council for years. And well, yeah, so therefore, could, could the argument not be made, well, it's 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 a, almost a derelict building. We might as well ah, knock it. Ah, sure, yes, a derelict building. Now, if I had a derelict building, I would have more letters from the council about hmm. my derelict property. So, like, is it uh, don't do as we do, just do as we say? Now, it's the lack of information here is driving people completely nuts. When the OPW came to town, and I welcome the OPW to come to town, but what they're doing in town, that's a different kettle of fish. But when this plan was drawn up, there was no mention of the destruction, the demolition, or whatever you want to call it, of the town hall. And if this was such an integral part of this flood relief scheme, why was this originally identified? And if one was of a conspiratorial nature, you'd say this was suiting the council to have it knocked because they have plans to build offices and uh, all kinds of stuff there and the, the old town hall and the, um, the the old fire station. So all I'm looking for here is clarity. A was part of the original plan. Is B, it in the environmental impact statement? I believe not. Okay. But A, was it in it? B, if it wasn't in it, why wasn't it? Why is it at this late stage, is there uh, an unhasty uh, rush to remove this um, historic building? Right, this building possibly is beyond repair. But why is it now that this is this unhasty rush to remove this um, historic building? And it has historic uh, attachment to Tlannikilty. It is part of the the town history of local government and whatever else you want to call it. And, like, they cannot deny that. And whereas that we have uh, a massive um, groundswell for all kinds of things uh, where we have proven track record, uh, documentary history, we seem to go, oh, yeah, sure, look, that building is beyond repair. Like, there's no building beyond repair. It might be economically unviable to to repair it. Well, it's not beyond but repair. It's yeah, not no. beyond repair. And, and the one thing I feel about, you know, when it is an old building like this from the, they reckon from the, the 1820s, uh, 1820s yeah. um, so it will be late Georgian, is yeah. when it's gone, it's gone. You know oh, what I mean? It's just, it'll be, it, people, future generations will look at it at a photograph and go, oh, that's what used to be there. Yeah. And like, it's not that I'm against the removal of it and if it has to be done to facilitate the um, flood relief works. 
which is a, a different argument that I'll have with anybody. But I just want to know, why is it at this late stage of the day that this has been popped to the people of Tannikilty? Now, why wasn't this originally outlined? And if the people who uh, organised the scheme, Matt McDonnell, the engineers, couldn't figure out that they couldn't get a machine into the river to do the pile driving any other way but to knock this down, at this late stage, do you know what? They're in dereliction of their duty because they didn't know what they were doing for a start. And this is completely and utterly wrong. Well, we don't know that. We don't. We, what we need to know, we need to find out why are they now saying at this stage, if, particularly if it's not in the environmental impact statement, why are they now saying at this stage that in order to complete the flood relief works, this building has to go? Yes. Yeah. But, so, but like the, 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 the simple question is, at this late stage, when they're coming towards the end of the pipeline. I know driving. the point, yeah. Why haven't they always known well, that they need, or have yes. they always known though? That's, yeah, the, that's, the, that's the other question. And reaction locally, Humphrey, or is there much reaction? Like, there is, there's quite a lot of, and look, I, I never go on Facebook, but a couple of people have directed me to a few sites on Facebook and there's people very annoyed about this. And then there's a lot of people who are almost trying to emotionally blackmail people by saying, oh, well, we can't object to this because it'll stop the flood relief works. Look, this decision has already been made, but the point is to, to make... Fu- when uh, was it why? made and why was it made? Yes. Okay. And, and why wasn't this clarified for people? Okay. And I'd be, I'd be calling on the Mayor and the County Manager to come out and make a statement in relation to these matters. And yes. the County Mayor is, is, is from... Uh, it's in his uh, hometown. From it's in his own hometown. Okay, and we're on to the Council trying to get clarification as well. Uh, Humphrey, thank you for that. And uh, thanks uh, for highlighting the issue. 1850-333-103. It is an old building and I know that argument is there. I mean, this is part of the flood relief work and therefore in order for the flood relief work to continue and this old building has to be demolished, then demolish away uh, because there's been so much devastation because of flooding. But it's just why suddenly now are we talking about the demolition of this old building? Was it always part of the plan? And should we be looking after our heritage? It is Heritage Week the next hour we're going to discuss delays by the HSC in people getting their money back from the cross-border health initiative and thank you to the listener who had both hips done in the last four months it's €12,000 per hip that's a lot of money and if you're borrowing that money then you're paying interest back on it while you're waiting for the HSC to give you back your money so that you can pay off the loan that's a lot of money thank you uh, for the person for clarifying that You're listening to Cork Today on replay phone and text lines are currently closed Here's a worrying text in from a listener says, Morning Patricia, I'd like to raise the issue of prescription drugs. With everything that has happened over the last couple of weeks with young people dying and parents mourning the loss of their child due to drugs, I think it's absolutely frightening. Now, the, there's a town named here, but I'm assuming that this, this is reflective of what's happening in any county town here in Cork are probably around the country as well. This listener reckons county towns are awash with prescription drugs being sold on the street. Doctors are issuing prescriptions for the likes of Tramadol, Lyrica, Xanax and whatever else. The doctors are unknowingly becoming dealers. I think it's frightening, says this listener. Thank you for taking the time to read this, uh, Patricia, there, but for the grace of God, uh, go I... I didn't realise that I don't move in that circles of knowing what's what's for sale on the streets. I didn't realise. Is it that easy to pick up prescription drugs? And if so, people are going to the doctor pretending that they have symptoms for something, getting a prescription 
and then going out and I'm assuming there's money to be made or are they getting the drugs on, a, on the medical cards that's not costing them anything and then they can sell them on so it's all pure profit if that's what's happening. According to this listener, the town, some of our towns are awash with prescription drugs. Have others heard about that or noticed that? 1850-333-103. On going back to schools and the children going back to schools too early. John says, Patricia, I hear you talk this morning about children going back to school too early. Well, they'll have a week mid-term at the end of October. That'll be the Halloween break. Then they'll be off for two full weeks for their Christmas holidays. They'll go back to school in January and before they know it, there'll be a mid-term break. There'll be a week off in February. Then, They'll go back to school and suddenly it'll be Easter holidays. And now Easter holidays is two full weeks. They'll do about five or six weeks and hey presto, it'll be summer holidays all over again. When I went to school in the 80s, says John and Clonakilty, you had your summer holiday, you had your Christmas holiday and you had a few days off at Easter, says uh, John in Clonakilty. Well, I went to school in, in the 80s as well. We, had the, we definitely had the long summer holidays. You For Easter, it was more than a few days. You had a week and a half. We used to break up a half day on Spy Wednesday. And then you'd be off for the rest of that week and all of the following week and then you go back to school. That's now been extended because Easter holidays now are two full weeks. And then Christmas. I, I don't know if we had two full weeks off at Christmas, but we certainly didn't have the midterm breaks, that's for sure. But then in defence of the schools, they don't set the number of day, days. It's the Department of Education set the days and that the schools in Ireland are obliged to open. It's 183 days per academic year for primary level and it's less for secondary. It's 167 days at post-primary level and that's what schools are obliged to open. Now, there are set holidays for Christmas, for Easter, the October midterm and the February midterm, but then they're allowed to stagger Schools are allowed to stagger when they open and when they close. And they can be a bit flexible by the schools, for example, that are opening earlier. Like some opening we're hearing is it abandoned. Some of the schools are opening today and tomorrow. Uh, they then will have extra days that they can play around with during the year. Now, I know there will also be forced closures of schools. I mean, God forbid if we get a bad winter, we'll be here on the radio talking about schools being closed uh, and there could be power outages and schools have to close and then there could be an election and a school would have to close. Whenever there's bad weather, there's always that discussion on should schools pay back the days? I don't know. Do some schools pay back the days and open, say, for example, on the midterm rather than having a week off at the midterm if they've been closed for three days, say, due to bad weather, instead of taking a week off, do they only take two weeks off? I don't know how many schools actually do that. But I remember during the Beast from the East when schools were closed for quite a few days, there was a lot of parents complaining because working parents had a problem then in trying to get childcare for their children and they were complaining if they were forced to take time off work. They were wondering why the schools weren't going to pay back the days and I don't know how many schools actually did but there are set number of days the schools are obliged to open. 183 days per week of primary and 167 a post-primary and I don't know if that has changed over the years or not, John. I don't know when you and I were going to school in the 80s was it the same number of days? I'm, I'm not sure. 1850 Staying with uh, schools Mary was on to say it's a pity that secondary schools and she said some primary schools don't run courses for senior citizens like they used to do. 
Mary remembers that when there would be knitting or crochet classes or card playing classes and the schools would be used as venues, kind of more like a social setting than actual classes. And she clearly remembers these classes being run. I I don't now, I have to say. John Paul says it was more of a, it happened in more rural schools, but she says she certainly hasn't seen any of the courses stopped. And I straight away started to think if you're opening up schools at night and what a great idea to use it in a rural area for people living in that area as a place for them to get together so they don't all have to go to the pub or the pub might not even be open anymore. I thought that was you know, a terrific idea. But then straight away, insurance raises its ugly head. Could that be a reason if there was, if schools were being allowed to be used for either for classes like evening classes or if they were being allowed to use some kind of a social setting which is what Mary was uh, describing I I guarantee you they probably got stopped because of uh, insurance I do remember but I don't think this is what Mary is talking about Mill Street Community College used to have the living scenes that was uh, absolutely amazing and uh, I've just done a quick Google search and the last report I can see from it is in 2012 when they won a load of awards for it and I don't know whether it has since stopped or not I think there was one in 2013 though I'm seeing as well and it was it's in intergenerational course and I think it was once a week senior citizens from the Mill Street area would go into Mill Street Community College for one afternoon a week with the TY students I'm sure it was and uh, John McGee the chaplain in the school was we spoke with John on many occasions and it was fantastic it was absolutely fantastic now it was EU funded and they were used as one of the pilots for it but it was a big success story I was I was always hoping that it would be pushed out and that more schools would get involved in living scenes and, and open up throw open the school gates to older people in the community to say come in on a certain day and share your skills and learn from the young people and have that wonderful intergenerational connection and I remember speaking with some of the participants in the living scenes our own Eileen Buckley our Mill Street reporter uh, did it for many many years and she and others used to talk about it was great then when you'd walk down the town on a Saturday or at the weekend or whenever in the evening time you'd, the young people would know the different people who had taken part and it was how are you Eileen how are you Johnny you know people talking to each other fantastic scheme and I don't know whether it's gone we'll, we'll do a check and see is the living scenes gone and, and also try to find out why it wasn't expanded so that it was put into more schools because it's a nice tie-in with what we were talking about earlier when we were talking with Senior Line and talking about that loneliness and the loneliness that people are suffering, older people are suffering and how they need to stay connected with their community but in order to stay connected with the community there needs to be events on and things like that things like living scenes, somewhere that where you connect the schools with older people Fantastic. It is a win-win all round because obviously it's hugely beneficial for the older person but I think it's a big win for the younger people because if you can instil in younger people a love and respect of older people they will carry that through with them for the rest of their lives. It's one of the things I always say to friends over the years when, when they had babies, babies were being born. My advice always was Keep them connected to their grandparents. Keep that wonderful bond between grandparents and grandchildren and make sure that there's as much time as is possible that you can spend 
grandchildren can spend with their grandparents because that respect level builds up and they just they carry it through with them for the rest of their lives and it's it's, it's fantastic it will stand to them I can tell you 1850 a couple of people have been on I mentioned mothballs yesterday whatever it is about mothballs we always get reaction on it someone's been on to John Paul this morning to say could Patricia call out again where the mothballs were on sale in Bantry somebody sent me in a photograph actually of lavender mothballs would you believe dead pot they're in John and Doreen Hurley's shop in Bantry where I was told you can get everything from a needle to an anchor. That'd be one listener very pleased that I got that correct. So John and Doreen Hurley's shop in Bantry if you are looking for those lavender mothballs and I imagine they're lovely lavender scent in your wardrobe. Joan in Fairhill was on to us we're going to be talking about the cross-border initiative and people waiting for reimbursements on their money. Well, Joan falls into that category. She had her cataract done in April and she's still waiting for her money to come back. Now, I don't know, was it the beginning, the middle of the end of April? But here we are at the end of August and she hasn't had her money back. But Joan's circumstances has changed in that her husband died suddenly. I'm so sorry to hear that, uh, Joan. So obviously more than ever, she needs the reimbursement of this money sooner rather than later. Oh, please God, your money will be into your bank and you'll have it back very, very uh, quickly, uh, Joan. And once again, commiserations to you on the loss of of your husband and to lose a loved one suddenly. It's really, really hard to uh, deal with. And Martin and Mallow was on to say, Davis College first years are starting back. Oh, sorry, I've read that out right. They're starting back uh, tomorrow. Yeah, I was aware of that. We have some of the schools in Bandon. We're getting texts in to say that the secondary schools in Bandon are heading back uh, today and uh, tomorrow. 1850-333-103. John Paul taking your calls. Text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. C103 Jobs. Brookfield Care Centre in Limlara. It's an elderly care facility. They're recruiting for social care and activities manager. Experienced excavator driver wanted. That's for Cork City and County. While classic wind, windows in Columny. They're looking for an experienced person for servicing UPVC windows and doors. And Padre Pio House, they've got vacancies for healthcare assistance. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Patients who go abroad for treatment due to long public waiting lists in this country are now facing significant delays in getting reimbursement of the money they paid from the HSE. That's according to new figures obtained by RTE News. West Cork Doll Deputy Michael Collins knows many of these patients due to the cataract buses to Belfast that he's been helping to uh, organise. Michael uh, joins me and in a moment I'll also be speaking with Pat McCarthy who had his hip replaced in Belfast under the cross-border directive. But Deputy Michael Collins joins me first. Good morning to you, Michael. Hey, good morning. Michael, first thing, I was trying to think of this yesterday. When when did you organise your first bus? How long ago uh, was it? It was about November 2017, I think, uh, in around that uh, November, December 2017. Let me think, yeah. 17, and how many, so. how many buses? 
Yeah, no. tomorrow tomorrow morning's bus will be the 41st bus. Um, and that's like people going on the bus. There's quite a lot of people going uh, up the separate journeys on their own because they might have family in Dublin or whatever and they can take that journey and split it up. So I'd say we've a thousand people uh, gone to Belfast uh, for procedures, uh, mainly cataract, yes, but there's hips, there's knees, carpal tunnel, uh, tonsillitis. Um, and it's mainly the Kingsbridge Private Hospital, but we also use uh, Ulster Independent Hospital in Belfast for tonsillitis for children under 12 um, under the cross-border directive. So, yeah, hang on, hang on. You're bringing children on a bus to Belfast to have their tonsils removed? What we what we usually do in the situation, we take the, 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 the all the patients for the cataracts and the, they get their consultation the day before, the following day they get their operation. The hips and the knees, carpal tunnel, tonsillitis, if there's a consultation needed, we take them for consultation. We don't take them for operation because they have to stay more than the day and obviously the bus can't do that. But what we do is, in a lot of cases, if people are, have children that are suffering and and quite a lot of people do obviously I know that there's no light in the tunnel on the south, south side of the border here that they can't get a procedure they they would be quite willing to drive up themselves and, and, and get the procedure for the child or get the procedure for the adult um, and, and, and tomorrow even though like there's people on the bus now from Union Hall Bantry Adjigal Durris Gibberine Bendon, in Shigila, Balavoni, Charleville, uh, Mellow Waterford Athlone and Cork and, and Kerry but there's still some people going up uh, that have done uh, the arranging to us but are going up separately themselves because they have family above and they might stay the weekend or whatever so that's that's what we've been doing and I said that's well, we've, we've gone on to and uh, over a thousand people to uh, for these procedures uh, and ba- ballpark figure on costs I know I've been already told by somebody who said two hip operations that a hip costs 12,000 euro close enough to that okay. you 11, maybe 11 and a half so thousand, that's probably uh, the top end is it that's the top end yeah ok uh, and then uh, come down along to the to what, what's the other average costs um, well the cataract is costing 1,950 pounds so say 2,000 2,000 so look in, in the cataract situation they'll get back their 1,950 in the, in the hip and the knees they'll get back 90% of, of, of the cost of it and it is it is a solution. It's not the perfect solution, but it's the only solution I can provide. Because if people come to me and, and ask me, they're suffering from from massive pains with hips or knees or whatever. I, I can tell them, look, I'll try and contact. I'll try and do my best to get him in Cork or even Tralee or wherever. But I can't guarantee I'll even get a response. But I can certainly tell them that from the moment of consultation, those that are going up tomorrow morning for consultations, they'll be leaving at five o'clock tomorrow morning. Consultation at the Belfast. They will. I can guarantee them they'll have surgery within eight to ten weeks. So there's a, I, I, you can you can. Uh, and the people and going I, for ca- for cataracts will be done the next day. The people going for uh, cataracts will be obviously yeah. They're yeah. going up uh, tomorrow morning. They'll be they'll be having a cataract. They'll be back home at half seven on Saturday evening uh, to to Cork again. Cataract free, please God. So look, it's 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 been a, a great success. Uh, it is a huge amount of organising. There was a, a massive amount of people looking to go, and I I took the doll break to try to try and um, take a bus a week. That's what we're averaging a bus a week to Belfast, so that we you know because there's a lot of work in it organised. There they're mainly elderly people. They need you know time to talk to them. You need to be booking hotels, times to pick them up. You know, and there's a yeah, lot of work. Yeah, but yeah. It, look, it works out very well. Yeah. And it's a solution. A lot of them are are able to see today. They would have been blind, uh, but far but then there is the four months waiting for. The after now, very, when very you important. when you first started bus number one back in November of 2017, how long was reimbursement taking then? I'd say about two months at the time. And now it's so, gone to. It's gone to four months, and I will say one thing 
Patricia, the staff up there are brilliant, you, you know, but they're under massive, massive pressure. And the HSE didn't factor that, and they should have factored it in. It's, it's exploded from a situation where there was a few hundred going to the north to last year, over 4,000 uh, going north, and, and probably this year maybe maybe double that. So they haven't factored in uh, the increase, and where you have a situation where the HSE are so top-heavy ma- with management, they don't have enough workers on the ground. And these people, no matter how good they are, in these offices that are dealing with this in Kilkenny are unable to deal with the, with the, with the volume of people that are looking for their repayments and they're coming back. I heard there's even, there's even a problem getting through in the phone line to them. Yeah, yeah, but I don't know. We need more. They need more workers, uh, in my view, on in the, in, the, in the offices to go through this and pay back the people. Because a lot of these people have got loans from the credit union. If you're looking for a, a hip operation that's going to cost you eleven and a half thousand euros, you may not have that available money to you. And I, the credit union have been phenomenal through all this. And uh, no matter what part of uh, the county, they've been looking after me, giving the people the loans. The loans. Are, are, are meant to be repaid, obviously, within 30 days to uh, to two months. Now it's running to four months. Now they're not putting pressure on people, but people... But are, people are paying, it, they're, people. They're paying interest on it. I mean, they are, at the end of the day. People, and they don't like having debts. Yeah, that's one thing that's, I've noticed about others. They that's do not, the big they one. They want to pay their debts. And that's the big they, one. They made an agreement with the HSE in their view to get uh, this procedure. They went through the agony of waiting uh, on the south side of it in West Cork or whatever. They didn't get the procedure done. Unfortunately, they, didn't, they entered into to an agreement with the HSE that okay we'll go through the, the pressure at, at some people's ages of 80 and 90 and 90 year old up last week um, to go to Belfast get this procedure done and then at least we get our money back in a month now that's happening to drift into three four months and, and it's not good enough Okay stay there because I want to bring in uh, Pat McCarthy who is from West Cork and I, I'm assuming went on initially one of your buses uh, Good morning to you Pat Good morning, Patricia. You had your hip replaced 11 weeks ago. Firstly, yes. tell me, how are you doing? Well, that was very good. That was very good. And before we before we went in for the operation, uh, Deputy Collins got a, a bridging loan from the credit union to, buy t- to get me through. Okay, okay. And uh, the operation, the operation, yes, it's, uh, it's 10 weeks ago now. And, uh, and, uh, and, uh, and uh, like, uh, uh, the, the, the credit union or the HSE, was to give money in uh, three or four weeks, three or four weeks time, and I have no reply from the HSE, and uh, it's kind of frustrating, and it's uh, because uh, because like the the credit union, and uh, were uh, were uh, helpful to get the bridge and loan to get me through, and uh, and uh, and uh, like the you yeah the you H- want to pay them back, but. Yeah, but well, don't yes. don't be worried about it. The money will arrive, but it's just it's annoying that it's taking so long. Tell me about your hip and how bad was it? It was. Uh, it was. I had no quality of life for for uh, most of two years before it. And uh, and uh, and uh, uh, my local doctor Dennis Cotland Dante told me that I wanted his replacement, and they said if you want an insurance policy, he said. You'll be waiting for four or five years and get anti Deputy Collins. And I got anti Deputy Collins. And uh, in March, he sent me up to Belfast. And then in May, and I had the operation in June. And you were, when you say no quality of life, were you in dreadful pain, Pat? Well, yes. And, uh, and, uh, and, and, uh, like, like, if, uh, like, uh, we'll just say no that I was going to, uh, the, anywhere, like, I'd have to give myself a long, long time because where it take you, Maybe two minutes to go at peace. It will take me five minutes. I know, I know. And uh, and and and, and uh, like uh, uh, I didn't go. I didn't go anywhere because because I wasn't uh, I wasn't able to go. 
and the difference now? Oh God, I'm a new man. I'll say that I can. <laughs> this is only this is only ten weeks, like. Yeah. And uh, and uh, and uh, I can walk and I can go upstairs and I can go after cattle and and uh, like, I I I'm a new person. Isn't that That's incredible? The and what was it like in Belfast? Uh, uh, like what is a great great because it was a five star hospital and they were uh, very much uh, accommodating for for each person that came in there, like and. Uh, you were assured whatever we'd be doing, like whether it was the knees or the or the bones or the or the, or the cataracts, it was written before the step by step, and uh, it put great confidence on the patient. How long did you have to stay in? In Belf- in Belfast. Yeah. Uh, I was in on uh, Monday morning at eight o'clock, and uh, and uh, and uh, the operation was over at twelve o'clock, and I was there Monday and Tuesday. And on Wednesday morning, uh, uh, Richard Hart uh, took me up. He brought me back, and uh, uh, Dr. Carter arranged that I'd have a father in Skull Hospital. Brilliant, brilliant! And you went into Skull Hospital, and they looked after you. Oh, they're treating me like a king. <laughs> they're yeah. a great bunch down there. Oh, they're... there you, there you. Uh, and and now life goes on for you, Pat. Yes, 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 yes. But uh, like, 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 uh, uh, I, I, I would be needing like. Concerned that that the uh, HSE will come around, and uh, well, in my point of view, is that the, the HSE it want to get an overhaul, and uh, like if they were um, if they were out in the Sahara Desert, in 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 in, in twelve months' time, there won't be a grain of sand for the the whole lot was squandered. <laughs> I just just <laughs> never let and let me bring back in uh, Michael. I firstly, Michael, I don't want Pat to be worried about this. I mean, the money will come through for him, won't it? It will come true, and that's the the one thing. Like I've had numerous people come back to me, obviously, that's mainly cataracts, and they've said to me, "Look, we're three, four months, we haven't got our payment, and we contact the people in Kilkenny who are saying, look, 'Look, we're going through, and we're processing, and we will be paying out, but it's taking the unfortunate amount of time of up to four months.' And in um, in, in, in Pat's situation, as you can hear, he's had a very successful operation. He's yeah. very pleased with the whole cross border thing and the fact that, like, from start to finish, it was done maybe within eight to ten weeks. But the problem is he he hasn't got his payment back he owes money to the credit union he's troubled about that he's been in contact with me and others other people the same as others and while they're telling me yet yeah, the money will be paid to him it's just taking uh, two three months longer than what it should the HSE should get their house in order uh, they, as I said they should have factored this in they didn't uh, it's a very very poor mistake as such having people extra people to answer the phone isn't good enough like you know I know people will say look the frustration not even getting an answer isn't good enough but, but the fact is they need more people on the ground those who are trying to administer this are under massive pressure I know that myself. yeah but um, sure we, had, we had another lady contact us from Douglas this morning she had her cataract operation done in April and her husband has died in the meantime so her circumstances has changed and she's worried because her money hasn't hasn't come through uh, either and now I know the HSC say they're installing extra phone lines in the Kilkenny office to handle the increased uh, volume of, of inquiries and I read in the Irish Times this morning that the HSC is apologising for the three months delay so Michael they are accepting that they oh, have they a problem have, you see it's, it's, it's written in the agreement that people would get reimbursed within the 30 days that's not happening so they have to hold their two hands up on this one but they, it's no point in apologising if they're not willing to not, not just put people on a the phone they need to be willing to put people on the ground to work through and get their payments out and make it as efficient as it is it's, it's, it's 
heart to put up and I'm pretty sure I know the woman you were talking about this morning that lost her husband and she's waiting for to get that money back so she might want to go back up for to get the second item mm. and she can't she basically she can't move until this happens and it's very very unfair and people to, went into disagreement based, based on the fact that they had it was far difficult for them they much prefer to have this procedure in Bantry in Mallow in Cork it's not possible it should be possible but it's not uh, for a Catholic procedure they're entering into agreement to go to Belfast on the basis they get their money back and maybe go back up because some people the, the, the other eye rapidly deteriorates um, it does uh, it once, does once the Catholic is done yeah. and they're going for glasses and the people are saying I don't really want to fit you with glasses because you have one good eye and one bad so you need to go back and get the second one done if this money came back in a month those people would be moving pretty quickly to get their second eye oh, done I just and can't understand why the, why, why they can't take staff you know do, do a secondment take staff from another area and put them into the office I mean, it's not well, some rocket science as I've been saying, Patricia, earlier on, um, they're, they're top-heavy management. They're talking about um, um, giving redundancy to management. Maybe it's time to move some of the management down into these offices and start working on this instead. And that's that's how you, you know, when, you, when you're making an apology about making a mistake, we're all human, we all slip up somewhere along the line, you put in place something that's going to resolve this issue. And I don't see that at the moment. Somebody on the phone line isn't good enough. It needs to be people on the, on the floor working to sift through the amounts and the huge amounts that those few little staff are trying to do at this present time. Yeah, and Pat, would you encourage anyone who is way on a waiting list, would you encourage people to go to Belfast and do what you did? Oh God, I would, yes. I, I would, I would, I would, yes, because, because like what I said, at the short space of time, do the ferocious quality of life. Yeah. And uh, I know, I know, like, people, people, people that don't have a tune and they're kind of like, it's a bit daunting, but the road is there and then and, and, and take it while it's open. And had you been to Belfast before? Uh, uh, no, 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 no. And uh, I, I enjoyed it because the, the bus driver was uh, given the history, and uh, that was very interesting as well. And of course, uh, Michael Deputy Collins and his family, like uh, from my home and other people as well, they collect it and they take it to the to the courts that were going to Belfast, and they take it back. And and like it, it was very encouraging, and they were great courage on the on the on the. And the whole thing. Yeah, and they gave you the support that you, that you need. Well, listen, onwards and upwards, uh, Pat, and don't be worrying about the money. It will it will come through. And uh, thanks a million for joining us on the programme today. Thank you, Patricia. That just, that yeah, just you mind yourself. Um, OK, uh, Michael, I'm, I'm seeing other people coming in. Somebody saying her dad is waiting nine months for a cataract here in, in Cork. What, what, what are the waiting times locally? Uh, three years, I'd say. Um, Three years. Could, yeah. Oh, yes, definitely. Because I, I am, um, um, I'd be telling people not to, um, you know, like I, I can ring and I can find out for them straight away. There's a number in Cork, and they'll tell them. You know, most people that I rang for, I've been told two to three years, but it happens when the the two years comes up, and a lot of people tell me that it's there when they ring. They're told it's another year. So it's definitely three plus in some cases, but you know, um, nothing before three. Any I'd say um, in, in in Cork and in Kerry as well. Okay, stay there because Janty is on uh, line one. Um, good morning to Janty. You're, uh, you're on, on Newland Road. You had a cataract, Don. How long did you wait for the money? I had a cataract on in the 19th of April. Yeah. And I got paid 16 weeks after the video. 16 then, weeks, okay. And then I got one, I went up to Newland in Belfast, up to Belfast on the 15th of June, and I still wait for it. But I don't mind because. Did a perfect job. I mean, if you ever, ever got paid. So you, you, have, you have both eyes done? I had both eyes done. On 15th of June, 
and uh, Good Friday the 19th of April. And it's so made a huge, di- a huge difference to your life. Oh, I can see the, I can see the grass growing now. You can see what? See the grass growing. Easy. <laughs> All right, Jonty, thank you for that. All right. Okay, and um, Michael, a long list of people are just waiting. So it's 16, it still seems to be the 16 weeks, doesn't it? It's a 16 weeks, but like, you know, people are, you know, they're faced with a battle. They faced a lot of battles in this in this journey. They faced the, the worry of losing their eyesight. Um, I had, you know, the unfortunate situation where uh, they couldn't um, reverse uh, the, lo- the loss of an eye uh, for a lady there about two months ago. Uh, she had gone to Belfast and had gone too far. Um, and but like in a, in a situation, most people would ring me. We'd have a, a cat. They'd have a cataract within the month. I'm looking for more clinic times for for September. I have two. I'm looking for four. Um, clinic spaces in Belfast I'm awaiting a call back if I do that helps a lot but it doesn't uh, I have a massive list here in, 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 in my office and we're trying to sift through that and to be honest with you it's, Patricia it's, I'm not a medical person obviously um, but I'm trying to figure out with people and I talk to how bad is the eye because if they say to me it's, it's it, like I have a couple of situations where they're telling me it's desperate it's desperate and I'm desperate to get in a clinic to get that person up and then you know, no matter how many times you take pictures, you know that there's somebody left that maybe is just as bad or heading that direction. So we're trying to push through. But look, if they, if they can get it done in a month, it's it's not too bad. In some cases, you know, it, it might be less. I had a lady went up there a couple of weeks ago. She was only waiting. Well, she was very bad. She rang me on a Monday. She was going on a Friday. But that was luck because somebody cancelled. Because I'm dealing with elderly people. They do tend to get sick or whatever in short notice. But we've never failed to take... We've never lost a seat going up to Belfast. So I can t- do a turnaround. If you if it's desperate enough and if I get a cancellation Thursday, I'll have somebody else going up Friday morning. But it has to move quick and, you know, because there is a... People that I have to figure out have they the finances for that? Have they, can they get the referral letter from the doctor? Um, around the wait list, there's a few things, but I have most of that ticked off and I'm ready to roll. So if I get a call today, somebody says to me, I can't go up tomorrow morning in our 41st bus, I will have somebody else to replace them within, a, within maybe an hour. Ah, and have we clarity as to what will happen post-Brexit? Well, the, 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 obviously, you know, I've listened to a lot of discussions on different aspects of Brexit and I kind of... You know, we were told a year and a half ago that all this is sorted and everything is good, and and I I thought that, and it turned out that that wasn't the case. But look, I, I so I focus very much in on the on the on the on the health side of it. There's an agreement um, in where in relation to Brexit, where there's there's children from, or sorry, where there's adults from Donegal that have cancer going to Derry. That's outside of the cross border directive. There's an agreement where there's toddlers, uh, young children, uh, young babies with heart defects from Belfast coming to Dublin, and then there's the cross border agreement, and we have been assured that those agreements won't be broken going forward irregardless of, of the type of Brexit. But that was p- prior to Boris Johnson uh, becoming Prime Minister of England. I would assume that's, that will stand. I can't guarantee that, but my hope it will. And if that's the case, at least this cross-border directive or this cross-border agreement will continue because of the other agreements that are in place. They're going to leave this agreement in. That's what I've been told, and I hope that's the way it stays, but I can't guarantee that. It's, look, Patricia, this is a very messy situation. It's a complete failure by the HSE to, to, to look at the crisis that's in West Cork. The way our elderly people have been treated for, where, where cataracts is concerned, it's a 15, 20-minute procedure. It can be done in Bantry Hospital. I don't care who tells me it can't be done. It can, because in England, it's simply a clean room, fully equipped and staffed. So they're telling me they have to have specialised rooms. It's like, that's nonsense. That's all just pie-in-the-sky stuff and getting away from the reality. The reality is this could be done anywhere. 
in any of the clinics, in any of the beautiful community hospitals in West Cork, I can guarantee you they can carry out this if they want to do it, but they don't want to fund it. And we're left in a situation where we have no choice. It's Belfast or Blight. Yeah, I think it's the fact that the procedure is so quick and the effect that this procedure has on a person's quality of life is just incredible. It's great to talk to people after the operation, you know, when they're you know, they'd often ring me back and they say, God almighty, I can see the colours in the garden or I can see the colour of the house that I have seen for years. Even one woman started giving me out the husband and she came back and said, you painted the house. I didn't want it painted. You didn't go painting the house while you were away, but she just, this, this colour, she never saw in the house before for years. I know, but years. you hear John, she say, I can see the grass grow. <laughs> yeah, and they can. I mean, it's obviously, a, a lady, and I can't say it, she, she was in her 80s, but she, she, she's had glasses since 16 years of age. She's in, 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 Done can say, and she's torn away. She doesn't need him anymore, so she can't. She can't, you know. She can't even praise this enough. Like she, she was on the radio this morning. I, I wouldn't even get a word in. She's so uh, happy with the the whole procedure yeah. and, and the way it gave her back her quality of life. And when you're, when we're all, you know, none of us are getting any younger. And the last thing we want to do is, you know, imagine somebody putting uh, your hand before your eyes and it's gradually coming towards you the whole time. You're going a little blinder every day. And t- you know when yeah. they get that sight back, it's just like as if they have a third leg. They're on, they're on the move big time, and they're happy. You know. Uh, but I just think this whole idea of uh, of asking him to get on a bus and have going to Belfast—it's just—and I can understand why people do it, but I can also understand you'll have very vulnerable older people who just would not have the confidence. I mean, I thought it was great to hear Pat uh, talk about you know through your own help and, and the others who were on the bus uh, giving him the confidence to go because I mean you'd want to be pretty confident to get on a bus and to go, you know, a long, long journey to have, you know, a medical procedure done. And I see that, you know... They're brave people. Pat, like sometimes, obviously I have to respect the privacy of people, but Pat said to me, oh, if you want to, you know, do something on social media and just do it, like, and it was great because once I did that, people saw, they said, Pat's come from the mizzen. God, if he can do this, we can all do it. Yeah. And all of a sudden, I've had a burst of people wanting to go for hip procedures, knee procedures, and they're saying, to hell with this. And they realise he got, got got a loan. He's like he's like a sales rep here in West Cork at the moment for, for, for hips and knees in, in North Britain. But they, they, they realise the whole thing can be tied up with the credit. Because some people might find it a bit difficult to have that type of available money. Yeah. And um, they can't do this. But the whole point is that and I've seen that when they see others doing it and then word of mouth people are ringing and say this is fabulous because I know in, in tomorrow's situation we I'll be up maybe around half or five o'clock tomorrow morning and I start picking up people and, 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 and some members of my family and we'll take them to Cork and then the coach takes them from that up but in most situations last week that we were up they, were, they didn't have to be in Cork till about nine so it's comfortable but tomorrow there's, there's, there's uh, hips, knees and shoulder consultations so they have to be up at half two uh, usually they don't have to be up until about five half five in the evening and that gives them a great relaxation and it, you see there is another thing too when they're travelling up most likely there's somebody going up for a second eye procedure and they're telling them sure I was up there that's simple and the person that's come for the first one that wasn't meant to be very nervous but all of a sudden they're telling me and they come back I was very relaxed because I was talking to this Guy or yeah, this woman, and she was telling me this, and she. Told I imagine me about it's it. great, there's great old crack on the bus, is oh, there? Oh, there is. I went in one day above in, in Cork, and uh, some person got lost, and I, I followed them. I got him back and brought him back into the bus, and when I went in, they were all singing. 
And I said, you're not going up your concert, you know that. And she didn't care, but there, there's a lot of, you know, there's a good humour in the bus. That's great. You know, and everybody's supporting everybody else. Yeah, so and about. even sometimes they don't realise that the neighbour is going up. And I mightn't, I obviously don't tell them that until they get there. And then they realise, cheers, my neighbour is great. We don't have a, you know, it's a, it's a, and we always try to get a family member to go with them because it's important they have somebody with them, you know, because they have, when the procedure is over, the eye, especially carrying a bag and stuff like that, and they will have a patch of the eye until the next day. They come back to Mayfield at 14 for some food, and all of a sudden everybody's looking at maybe 20 people with patches in their eyes. They say, well, what's wrong with these people? Where did they come from? And then it clicks. That's, ah, that's, the, that's the bus going up from, from, from uh, the, the, the Cork bus going up. For the cataracts. Yeah. All right, some uh, texts are saying, Deputy Michael Collins is so right. Uh, they will be well able to do it in uh, Bantry and can I throw in Mallow, they're two fine hospitals. Mallow, yeah. um, if you had sight savers, they can do it on a boat for people in Africa uh, and yet we can't do it here. Okay, we leave it there, Michael. I know it's an issue we will return to uh, again, but in the meantime, thank you for that. Thank you, And uh, thanks uh, for joining us on the programme. That is uh, Deputy Michael Collins. And before that, we heard from uh, Pat McCarthy from the MISM, who's just recovering after his very successful hip operation in Belfast. You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. And Bridget in Bantry was on listening to our piece on the cataract bus that goes out of West Cork, even though it picks up people. It started out just bringing people from the West Cork and parts of Kerry, but now it's picking up people all the way along up the country to go to Belfast to have the procedure done. Bridget said, I first had experience of somebody I know uh, going for one of those eye operations. He was almost 90% blind. He had his first eye done, but to get that done, he needed somebody to go with him. The gentleman in question has no family. So Councillor Danny Collins, Michael's brother, left his business in Bantry over a weekend and went with the man in order that he would have a companion. The eye was such a success that he had the second eye done. And again, it was Danny who went with him. The man had only 10% vision. And now, now, says Bridget, he could see a fly go up a wall. He was listening to TV shows before, but now he can actually see it. What a difference the two cataract operations have made to his uh, life. Thank you for that. 1850 333 103. And because we ran over with that interview, unfortunately, we didn't get a chance uh, to do this week's uh, Guard the Files. So we'll do it now. Uh, joining me, Sergeant John Kelly, based from Moy Guard the Station. Um, good, good afternoon to you, John. Good afternoon, Patricia. Uh, Thank you very much. You're, you're welcome uh, to the programme. Now, you want Thank to you. start with uh, fraud in, uh, in operation. Yeah, uh, Patricia, it's just something, we've seen it before, but I mean, just a warning to retailers out there. This is uh, from above in Ballina Slow, but the particular gang is operating nationwide. Very, very simple fraud, right? Um, in this particular one, it's what we call a money voucher fraud. They go into the shop. Uh, in this case, the, the suspect, it's a non-national gang, is working at it. This guy, Tin, wearing uh, glasses with dark rims. Um, the guy in question now had a stud in the, uh, you know, in the left ear, but it could be a different member of the gang does it. They go in, uh, order two money vouchers, three money top, three, the, that's the company tree, money top-up vouchers for the phone. He produced two different credit cards. The credit cards didn't operate in the machine, and he stated he'd call back in. Now, he distracted the shop assistant, but he was able to photograph the vouchers which were on the counter, obtaining the top-up codes. So you're talking about 550 quid. So again, this has been done nationwide. So for people to be aware, retailers in particular, be aware of this scam uh, and, and just make sure that, uh, you know, if there was a money top-up voucher 
uh, been printed off, they haven't re- yet received payment, they make sure that, uh, you know, that it cannot be photographed. So you don't you hand over that voucher until you have the money taken from the person, particularly if Not it's somebody alone, you don't hand know. It over, you make sure that it cannot be seen. Yeah. You because sure you it can be seen. Don't you get you, you know. can get top of vouchers for ESB for your electricity as well, can't you? Yeah, yeah. yes, yes. So they, yeah. so they could be doing the same thing with that. That's a new one, Abs- isn't it? Abs- absolutely. I've seen it before, but it goes away again, you know. But this particular gang has made uh, have been quite successful at it in the last while. Okay. You know? Again, and the they second were, scam. They were, okay, go on. Yeah, do the second one. The second scam is the one that has been mentioned uh, uh, nationally all day yesterday. But again, we were, I suppose, we mentioned it here on 103 on a number of different occasions. Again, unsolicited texts purporting to be from your bank, telling you that your bank account has been frozen and asking you to re-enter your details. You know, we, we've mentioned this, uh, you know, on 103 before. Anything to do that purports to be from your bank, please don't engage with it. Please don't uh, go on to the link that's in the, in the email or in the text. You know, contact your bank direct, you know, and you'll soon discover if, if, if there's a problem. And again, just while we're on it, just make sure that you do not go on to your bank if you're in an internet cafe. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, free, free Wi-Fi is free Wi-Fi. And as the saying goes, there ain't no such thing as a free lunch. It's not you know, secure. It, it doesn't, it's not secure. So please don't go on it. Um, okay. uh, that's fine for looking at looking at news articles or something like that but nothing nothing like Facebook nothing where, and nothing, and like, nothing no, where you're no. going to be giving out any kind of information absolutely now there are 100%. there are fake 50 euro notes in circulation fake 50 euro notes have been for a while different qualities involved some are very very simple uh, some are ones now where uh, they were made they, I believe they were taken from a, a film production company that were in this country and they were done for uh, filmmaking um, but they have a kind of a thing printed on them that, that uh, you know, not to be used kind of for, uh, you know, that they were not real notes. It says, right? mo- it's, now they look like the real thing. It says movie money, though, down the side of it. But, yeah, it does. But, yeah, but it if does, it was yeah, handed in to a busy shop, it, it yes, looks like yeah. the real article. Yeah, no, most people, listen, to be fair, most people are checking notes. But, um, like, I think the best check that a pre- people... Um, have and that's the two eyes inside in their head yeah. you know and, and they're you know that they're touching that they're feeling that they're checking out the intaglio features on the note you know that they're rubbing it with their fingernail you know, you know where the intaglio is on the note there on the on, on the front of the note that's a raised intaglio and you can hear you can actually hear the noise when mm-hmm. your finger uh, when you rub your fingernail again across it but I mean take the note you, you, you know rub the note on a plain A4 white sheet of paper Right on the genuine note, as a small amount of dye will transfer onto a plain note because the type of dye used on genuine banknotes, you know, never dries. It's it, it, uh, so a piece of it. Now, some will better than others. You know, the 20, if you rub a 20 on a plain A4, you know, a little bit of dye, you know, will transfer. It can be hard to see the dye from the 50, but if you rub it hard enough, you will see some dye transfer. I've noticed, now not every shop, but a lot of shops, if I hand in a 50 euro note, John, the, the assistant will use a pen. Yeah, and the pens, the pens are good. They're an indicator. Um, but I mean, the best one of all, again, is your, but again, the UV light. Now, some people use a UV light, um, but when they use the UV light, they're concentrating on the main features on the note. But 
if you're using a UV light, you concentrate on the small little threads that are appearing on the node. You know, the small little threads, uh, fluorescence, reds, yellows, greens, purples, appearing on the node. They're literally, as you see the corn cake uh, mix, you know, they're put in at manufacturing of the paper mache when it's made, you, you know, and they're appearing at random throughout the node. You know, so if you're using a UV, you know, just be careful. Don't be over-reliant on, on don't be over-reliant on the pen. Staff training is vital, you know, and for people just to make sure that if, if a fella is going to pass a dot 50, they may make a beeline for what appears to them to be the most inexperienced member of staff. Mm. You know, weekends tend to be a time as well, you know, uh, busy, busy uh, food restaurants, pubs, uh, you know, anywhere that's busy, you know. And another sort of a alarm bell should ring is somebody coming in and buying a very small item, say even under a euro, and handing, handing in a 50 euro note. That should Absolutely. raise alarm bells, yeah. Correct, yeah. That should be flagged straight away. Um, they, you, you know, we see that appearing, you know, um, <clears throat> and maybe somebody coming in a few minutes later with another one, you know. Um, but you tend to find that people kind of go around and they'll, they, you know, you could hit a, uh, uh, a blast in them. Um, you could find as well that you tend to have things like the, the ploughing championships when they come up, right? Uh, you tend to be that um, some criminals kind of meet at events like that and they pass them on. Mm. So you could have after major uh, national events like that suddenly be a flurry of them into an area. Okay. You know, all right. Just, just be careful. Uh, so okay, some cars, some cars again left open. John, hard to believe, uh, an item left stolen. O- left open, yeah. And unfortunately, I saw a comment being made by a person. You, you know, as regards uh, cars that were broken into a common crash, Watergate Hill area, I did see an unfortunate comment that the person said, "Well, we that they felt comfortable leaving their car in the driveway, leaving you, you know that." Because the area had a low crime profile. But, I mean, unfortunately, people are leaving property in the cars, you know. And uh, uh, sometimes it's, it's, it's cash. Uh, sometimes it's, uh, it's money change. You know, it might be a laptop or it might be something else, you know. So, look, if your car is in your driveway, a driveway is a, a semi-public area. You know, it's in your property. But, I mean, it's not walled in. You know, it's very easy to walk into a driveway. And a lot of those gangs are operating quite simply. Uh, we saw a video now in, in one particular instance. And basically, they were walking down different houses. They were just trying to, you know, they weren't forcing doors. You know, they were just going into cars, you know, which were being left open. So they so only wanted they, cars that were left open. They didn't want to go to any efforts to break into the car. They were literally going know. from car to car to car. Yeah. Correct. Correct. So, look. Unfortunately, you know, you know, we just have that people would take some uh, uh, bit of advice. You know, make sure that they park the car, they lock the car, and they make sure that it's locked. You, you know, you make sure that you can hear the buttons going down, um, that you just don't walk away and, and you know, and flick the key. You know. Um, okay. Can I just go uh, back to the to the Dodd fifty or note for a moment? Yes. Uh, Barbara, one of our listeners has been on uh, saying if. What do you do if you know the person that hands you in a Dodd 50 euro note? It was a situation that happened recently in a charity shop. Well, look, look please call the person to one side, right? Uh, and just say, look, um, unfortunately, that note is not, you know, is not right. You know, just make sure that there's no, nobody around that can hear within earshot, you know, when you tell them this, you know, because yeah. there was there was a situation up the country, I go back five or six years ago, where it, it happened in a bookie shop and somebody mentioned, oh, uh, I can't take that note, it's a dud. But I mean, there was four or five uh, 
people listening to that conversation. Uh, the person who presented the 50 euro note had was a business person, you know, in the town, and uh, there was a who didn't realise it was a fraud. No, 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 yeah. no. Genuinely, didn't realise, you know. But it ended up in the in the, courts. In the circuit court, uh, and and there was quite a lot of money paid out, you know. Um, so please, just you know, make the person aware of it, and there is a duty on the person to whom it is presented as well to withdraw it from circulation. And you contact you know, the guardie, do you? Uh, absolutely. Yeah. 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 Okay. But I mean, uh, like to be fair, anybody could have picked up one, you know, in in a. Uh, say in, in, in money if they got a bulk payment from somebody or whatever you know or, uh, so it, it is possible well I had a friend I had a friend of I had a friend of mine who took money out of a an ATM machine was taking out 200 euro and one of the 50s ended up being a, a fraudulent note now she it was her attention was drawn to her and she went back into the bank and, and you know they were able to see that she had taken it out of the bank and, and all, but I mean even the banks can get caught yeah but even though that's not happening in the banks anymore it could possibly still happen. I mean, uh, the banks have machines now where any note goes going into a bank now, literally goes through and is checked. All oh, right, this was many um, years ago, so they've obviously, yeah. they, they've changed but a things. It may happen, it may happen, you know, in, in a kind of a, uh, money that you withdraw maybe from, from a small ATM in a shop or something like that, you know. Yeah, okay. Because um, uh, a lot was... of time, can I just mention, uh, lastly, just the fact that we have had six road fatalities in the last six weeks in the Cork North Division. Yeah. That's huge, absolutely huge. Way more than we've seen in previous years. Now, we oftentimes mention, uh, you know, six road fatalities. Just to put it in context, that's six homes where two guards have had to walk in the footpath accompanied by either a clergyman or a friend or a neighbour to deliver news that are, is going to change their lives forever, you know. And uh, look, I just say to people, you know, slow down. You have localised road conditions sometimes. I, I mean, we're after seeing a very, very unusual summer where you, we, in from I, you could have two inches of rain fall within 20 minutes and, and over in Mallow, not a drop could fall for the entire day. Yeah. Somebody driving from Mallow, suddenly you drive into water um maybe at speed, and you could end up back planning. You know, so for people just to bear in mind, please, you, you, you know, uh, just keep it away from all our doors. Well, speed is the huge thing, unfortunately. All right, listen, John, thank you for that. And thank you, uh, thanks uh, for joining us uh, on the programme this morning. That is uh, Sergeant John uh, Kelly, based at Formoy uh, Guard, the station for this week's uh, Guard the File. And by the way, for the day that's in it, a couple of people have rang just, and we were going to mention it uh, today, 22nd of August. It was on this day in 1922 that uh, Michael Collins was ambushed and killed in Bailenablaw. And uh, a number of people are on saying, don't forget the it's the Big Fella's anniversary today, including PJ to say, today is the anniversary of the Big Fella's death, Michael Collins. What a country we've made since back then. I'd say he's spinning in his grave at how we've wrecked this country, says uh, PJ, who's not happy with the way Ireland has uh, turned out. But we remember Michael Collins uh, today on this day, 1922. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses, supporting communities, serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. Delmanway Historical Society, in conjunction with Heritage Week, they're presenting a guided town walk tonight at 7. We're asked to meet at the Heritage Centre, please. Kildallery Lotto draws on tonight. Jackpot €2,500. Sheehan's Bar, the venue. Glenmire Heritage Group, they've got a talk by local historian Colin Ryan of the UCC Department of Archaeology. That is on this evening between 7 and 9. And a jumble sale will be held in St. James's Church of... 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Ireland Hall in Mallow tomorrow Friday from 11am to 3pm. Everybody's welcome, mission free and proceeds are in aid of the Mallow Union of Parishes. This is the Court Today replay on C103. Back at the end of July, we featured Charleville brothers Declan and Pat O'Hara, who at that stage were training for what would be the most incredible cycle, the cycle of their lives for sure, along with six and a half thousand other cyclists. They were planning on taking part in the Paris Brest Paris, which is an epic track across the French countryside. And they were doing it in aid of breast breakthrough cancer research. The cycle got underway last Sunday and joining me on the line is Declan O'Hara who is still in the I'm not call, I'm slow to call it a race because it's not a race but it's certainly an endurance test Good afternoon to you Declan Good morning Patricia how are you? I'm very well where exactly are you? I'm in Valence um, about 200 and probably 20 kilometres out of Rambouille in Paris so I still have a good bit to do and how much have you covered so far then? Um, I have 1,035 kilometres on the Garmin as I speak to you. So you're in the final so stretch, really? I am, yeah. Like last 200. I wish I was in the last 100. Or I know. Maybe the last 20, but yeah, I'm in the last 200 anyway. Now, so, unfortunately, uh, Pat, your brother had to, had to <laughs> give up because of exhaustion. He, he did. Now, there has been a huge abandon rate. Um, it, Six and a half thousand was what we were told was going to be the starting figure. It turned out to be far higher than that. And um, we believe the abandon rate is up at about 1,500 at the minute. So a lot of that would be due to injury. Um, poor Pat had an accident a couple of weeks before we left for France and came off his bike. And the injuries that, that um, he had kind of manifested over the couple of days. And it just got to the point where he wasn't able to keep going. Yeah, so, bless his heart. He, How long did he yeah, last? He'd about 800k done, so oh. he, he, he'd admirable performance, but he's very disappointed. Um, oh, he'll be gutted. He'll be gutted because yeah. of all of the preparation and the training yeah. that you guys put into this. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's going on so long, you know. Now, just to, to remind listeners and to explain to listeners, this is different to any other cycle race in that you've got so many hours to complete the endurance. Yeah, so I, yeah, so I'm I'm actually after running out of time thirteen minutes ago. So um ninety hours was my time limit. So um I've just hit my ninety hours um literally thirteen minutes ago. So I'm out I'm out of time now. So in theory I'm I'm out of the race because it, it is I know you don't you didn't introduce it as a race, but it is actually a race. Um but it's a race to have it completed within the ninety hours. Um, but there's still thousands of cyclists on the road at the minute. But you're going um, to keep making, doing you're, making their way. But you're going to keep doing yes. it. Yeah, I'm. I'm finishing this come hell or high water. Yeah, I don't care what time it is tonight. I'm crossing the line. Yeah. And Declan, is it the sleep deprivation is the worst? Um, yeah, the sleep deprivation, without doubt, has been insane. Um, like if you could photograph and video some of the things that we've seen over the last um, since uh, since Monday, it's just been phenomenal. Um, people uh, last night I met a Swedish girl coming the wrong way, and I stopped her. It took me ten minutes to convince her to turn and go back the other way, and um, and it was just purely sleep deprivation. Um, so that's that's the worst. But I would say I've about six hours sleep got since Monday. Um, so you hit some highs and lows. Uh, trying to manage that. How, how are you even functioning? And the other side of this is it's totally unsupported in that you have to carry everything with you. Yeah, well, I've, I've been on in, in so far as unsupported. This event has controls. So we would have had about eight controls on the way to Brest and the same on the way back. But because we missed three consecutive, consecutive time points on the way out, uh, by the time we got to Brest... We were receiving no support at all. So um, all, all my way back now, um, I'm, I'm not allowed to even go into the controls and use the food services there, like you know, because they're, you know, they're shut, they're shutting down um, <sighs> because I haven't hit my time limits. Uh, but if I have a breakdown, if I have a puncture, uh, food, anything I need now, um, um, and all along, I have, I have to look after it myself. And the the weather. Um, weather has been okay. It started cold and damp with a little bit of rain, very little rain, thanks be to God. Um, but the night times were like we're riding through the nights and the night times are bitter and it's eight degrees, but it's the coldest eight degrees. Um, I always thought when you come to France, you get this dry heat and even at night time it's warm. But um, we're just putting on layers and layers and layers and really struggling to kind of stay warm, um, you know, particularly kind of three, four o'clock in the morning. And just as the sun comes up, it just gets bitter cold for probably about an hour and a half. And you're trying um, to concentrate now, on where you're going at the same time. Yeah, like your your things, like simple decisions become incredibly difficult. I was trying to work out a little bit of maths a minute ago to work out exactly how many kilometres I had left after JP had rang me. I just wanted to be able to tell you it was exactly 220 kilometres and I, I actually couldn't do the sums. Oh, like, you know. <laughs> and Camille, where is Pat? Um, Pat is now en route to Paris. Oh, I see. Okay. So they'll see me, yeah, they'll see me in Paris. Yeah. Way. And, and you, you yeah. expect to make Paris today? I, I will. I'll definitely make it. It's going to be late. Um, my speed is constantly going down. So I'm, I was hoping to average somewhere between 20 and 25 kilometres an hour, but I'm, I'm not. I'd say I'm lucky if I'm averaging probably 20, maybe a little bit above it. So it's taken me five hours to do uh, 100k. So 
take stops into account and stuff. I, I, I've definitely got 12 hours and, more cycling ahead of me. And can and you stop and, and you've got food? Are you, you eating and drinking enough? And Patricia, you yeah, just before you rang me, um, this woman uh, pulled up on the side of the road and handed me an ice cold can of Coke. Oh. Um, the support is just, it's, it's absolutely mind-blowing. In the middle of the night, um, they set up little stalls in front of their houses and give you hot coffee and put a blanket around you while you're um, while you're drinking the coffee. Um, they just love it. On this route, the whole route is completely lined by um, people supporting it. Um, you know, they have their houses decorated, all the villages are decorated. But that's, I, I can feel that's all shutting down now. I know that I'm really at the back end of this, you know. Yeah, because they, they're, they're assuming that everyone is, is finished because it is the oldest event of its kind in the world and it actually dates back to eight, 1891. Uh, you're, right. you're incredible. Yeah. You're absolutely incredible. And let's not forget, you are doing this to raise money for breakthrough cancer research and you're doing it in memory of your mum. That's right. Yep. Um, so um, that's like that's the big driving force. You know, I could have pulled out and Pat pulled out, and even um, with a lot of people following us on on my Facebook at the minute, and people were saying, you know, you know, you've done enough. You pack it in. But no, I'm I'm crossing the finish line now. Um, last night I was um, I had a very low point at about four o'clock this morning. And I, I thought that I was only about 13 kilometres from a particular town, and I was actually 34 kilometres from it. And um, I just got really low. It was just so far away, and it was never coming. And uh, I swear I could feel, you know, someone's hand on my back pushing me along the road. It just felt incredible. That was your mother. That definitely yeah. was your mother. Yeah. And people yeah. can still yeah. can still donate. Yeah, so I'm on, I'm, I'm, we're, uh, Breakthrough Use Everyday Hero. So if you go into Everyday Hero and it's, um, two brothers, 1200 kilometres and a bit, or trust <laughs> um, um, God, I'm gone. I'm, I'm, abs- I'm absolutely finished now. And um, listen, you, you keep going. You're, you're just yeah. amazing and we're all rooting for you. We're all behind you. And uh, when you get back, we'll, 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 we'll certainly have a longer chat with you, okay? Um, Tricia, thank you so much. Now, this is going to give me a good boost for a while. Well, just and, look um, after yourself and, and we're sending you positive vibes. And any of your listeners there, when I stop to eat and stuff, I'm updating my Facebook and I'm getting some lovely comments and those comments really are keeping me going. So okay, and your any fa- of your listeners that want to go on, it's just my name, Declan O'Hara. Um, just go in, have a peep and, and just send me a message. That's all. Okay, Declan O'Hara on Facebook. Best of luck, Declan, yeah. okay? God Patricia, bless. Thank you so Mind much. Mind yourself. Okay, bye-bye. 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 What a lovely, lovely man. That's Declan uh, O'Hara. It's incredible. I mean, it is just incredible, the endurance uh, race that he's doing. It's just, and I remember when when we were having him on the programme at the end of July and I started doing some research about this. I had never heard of this uh, Paris Breast Paris race before and I started looking you know looking it up because as, as I mentioned there it is the oldest event uh, of its kind in the world and I just thought are these two guys absolutely nuts whatever about covering 1,200 gruelling 1,200 kilometre course at least if you were getting a decent night's sleep and you were stopping and having the correct food and you had the backup and you had you know people behind you keeping you going but the fact that they do it as a solo event which means they have to carry everything with them and the fact that there was this strict time limit they were meant to have it completed within 90 hours and he's not got 
bless his heart, he's not far off the uh, 90 hours. It was just incredible. And they had done, they had to qualify for it and they had been doing loads of other different endurance uh, cycles, They both of them. And, and, and I know Pat must be, Pat O'Hara must be absolutely gutted that he's had to fall out because of, of the injury. And that meant leaving Declan then cycling on his own. And the one thing was the fact that both of the brothers were cycling together. You know, one would keep the other one going. But So keep Declan in your thoughts uh, today. He's on the final. I'd love to, I w- will be positive. He's on the final home stretch. But that final home stretch is going to take probably 10 to 12 hours. But Declan O'Hara is the Facebook page if you want to go on and uh, just send him a good luck at message. 1850-333-103. Uh, John Paul taking your calls. We're looking for your pet questions, please, because Jane Pickett, our resident vet, is going to be joining us live in studio. You can text her WhatsApp a pet question to 0862. 103 103. Laura Gaelga, RC 103. Anne Frank, Bacalian Oak, Judah, Anne Frank, of four Boston Holocaust. Rogok Anne Frank, Erin Darlow, Dagdam, Vib Mehiv, Nadeg, Fahane, Scripsi and Quidis Moda Yelan, a vermlichka de Gwina Dervanum Kitty. Scripsi before Dealan Freshen, Ak near Honig she'd reave air. Rodamon a Scripsi in a Dealan, no, when I write, I can shake off all my cares, but will I ever write something great? Be she live a locker fed Govlian. Teration Koga, Honig Aher and Air on Dealan, August Viuna Air, Nur Conic Shay, Keiko Abi Savishi, Teresha Lave, Dantic Shay, but she gave me diary of a young girl. The law taught new out, Todilan and Franker, Candice and Cafe, she is Colula on Holocaust. The Bluer Gwilga, Girl Cluster Davies, Davis College, Ismisha Abbey Bernock. CKD Asa 3 Kirkig. And Jane Pickett from the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket, part of the Mill Street Veterinary Group, joins me in studio. Good afternoon to you. Hi there. Uh, Jane, you are very welcome. And 1850-333-103, text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. Your questions, please. Questions already coming in. Michael, I've got a collie dog, four years old, barks and snaps at new people coming into the house. Any advice? Mm, This is a real challenge. And to be honest, something I think needs dealing with fairly urgently okay so I, I think it's one of those things so most dogs are as nice as pie with their own family and a lot of dogs are incredibly social love meeting new people love meeting new dogs etc some can be a little bit more challenging and usually it's not that there's any malice behind it they're mm-hmm. usually not you know, let's say aggressive for the sake of it a lot of it comes from fear sometimes fear or the urge to protect um, so in this case I would suspect um, that it's probably this little collie is protecting his family as it were um, collies have an additional let's say string to their bow of personality yeah. um, in that they have a massive herding mentality so if you think about what collies are traditionally used for they're used as kind of sheep herding dogs yeah. so they have a kind of a they're pre-programmed to round things up. <laughs> yeah. So when people are coming into the house but they that don't they're not know. so sure of, they're probably A, protecting their family, but B, trying to round them up. Okay. So that's what kind of the, the, the barking the worry, and the snapping. The, the barking is bad enough, but the snapping, snapping is, you would be afraid he'd bite. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And then you're into a whole different ballgame. Yes. I think in this case, to be honest, rather than letting it drag on any longer, I would advise getting some professional help, to be honest. Um just to keep everybody safe in that environment as well and I think that little dog probably doesn't know exactly what it's doing it's just acting on instinct Um, but that's really important to control because we don't want anybody getting hurt 
um i think the best thing to do would be speak to your vet um they will be able to point you towards a qualified behaviorist and okay. dog trainer now the really important thing is to get somebody who's let's say has the appropriate qualifications and experience within that field of behavior um so speaking to your vet so will it, really it help is you. possible uh, even at four to turn it around I think absolutely. I think anything can be worked on. Um, I think without an individual assessment, let's say, of that dog within the home, it's very difficult to say. But that's exactly what behaviourists do every day. A lot of the time they will want to, let's say, observe the dog in their own environment, observe how they interact with the family or with strangers. Um, And and they can tell a lot from that. Very much like a a patient coming in to be diagnosed with me, I would notice things that, let's say, another person wouldn't notice. Behaviourists will notice things about a situation that you might not notice yourself. And they are Um, good. And they're fabulous good. But but you yeah. can get help. OK, yes. uh, Joanne on the Model Farm Road has a cat that has gone off for food. An 11 year old cat seems healthy and happy, but is not eating and is not even drinking too much water. Now, that's a worry when a cat goes it off its food, because even Absolutely. when a cat is sick, it'll try to eat. Mm. I think there there could be two things going on here. You're exactly right, Patricia. Cats will pretty much put on a brave face until they're very, very ill and to be honest they don't usually stop kind of eating and drinking and looking very ill until they're very ill, ill indeed now there could be two things going on here if your little cat is otherwise healthy happy bouncing around full of the joys of life I suppose if you live in an urban area is somebody else feeding the cat <laughs> um, so maybe just ask around the neighbours if your cat does, uh, does seem otherwise absolutely in great grand form bouncing around very active ask your neighbours has um has your little cat fitting your description been visiting them for let's say a, a dish of milk or a little bit of food or scraps off the table because you never know sometimes we get people coming in with let's say cats that are putting on weight and they'll say to me we're only feeding him a tiny amount I'm saying but yes what are the neighbours feeding him and they'll yeah, go and home they will and they eat in more than one house oh absolutely yeah. absolutely they'll, they'll take all the great snacks they can get so I would just double check provided that let's say your cat is really really well and seems full of the joys of life that somebody else isn't feeding him but let's say that he's not exactly 100% um, any little bit of lethargy or illness um, or even as a precautionary measure I would pop to your vet when a cat stops eating and drinking being very lazy sleepy dehydrated is very very soon to follow and in a small little cat that can be very very serious very quickly so I would suggest as a precautionary measure visit your vet they'll have a full physical examination they'll talk to you about all of his habits recently whether there's any vomiting or diarrhea or any other problems in some cats, particularly those that are, let's say, getting on in years a little bit, I know our caller's cat is 11, so we're, let's say, not over the hill entirely, but mm, we're in our, in our older years, as yeah. it were. Um, normally, the first protocol we will have, if there's not, a, let's say, an immediately obvious problem, will be to do some blood tests. Because there's there's some diseases that are, are more common in, let's say, older cats, whether that be kidney problems or liver problems or even thyroid problems. So an overactive thyroid is really common in older cats, and that can cause lots of different changes. So I think... If there's any doubt at all about how well your cat is, I would go to the vet just for yeah, a check And then, as you say, I think you, you may have got it as well. If the cat is fine and, and the vet finds nothing wrong, it could be just that it's, it's eating somewhere yeah. else. I remember a friend of mine was moving house over in England and was leaving on the day with the cat in, in her, the cat basket. And a woman from across the road came running over saying, what are you doing with my cat? And <laughs> she said, this is my cat. I've seen me for three years. This woman thought she owned. She said, that oh, cat turned up my doorstep three years ago. And Jane said, sorry, that's my cat. It lives with me. And luckily <laughs> she had it. My 
microchipped him, whatever. Yeah. There was the, almost a standoff between the neighbours. Oh this goodness. other woman thought it was her cat. Anyway, wow. so yeah, they, they <laughs> can feed and, and, and eat uh, so, uh, somewhere else. Um, Pat says, uh, Patricia, suggestion please. What type of dog would Jane recommend that would be a good companion for a Jack Russell? They stay around the house, um, outdoor dogs, but we have them, they it would be locked up at night, but looking for a companion for a Jack Russell. Jack Russell. Okay. I think usually something of a similar size or at least not too dissimilar in size is is a good idea. So a Jack Russell Terrier, um, if he's going to be outside quite a lot, I wouldn't go for anything smaller than a Jack Russell, certainly, because um, they can perhaps be a tad more fragile. Um, so I would probably go for, let's say, a small to medium sized dog. Um, that's it. Dogs of all shapes and sizes get on, can get on like a, you know, a house on fire yeah. sometimes. Um, but just to make life, life easier, that's probably the best situation. As for a breed it's difficult to say really maybe another Jack Russell I know yeah. I know lots of I have lots of lovely little pairs of Jack Russells that come walk through my doors and they, they seem and to be like great, a little and they're great bodies yeah they, they are yeah, they're, they're, yeah. they turn into a great little motley crew but the one thing I would say is I wouldn't focus on a breed so much um, I would maybe focus on let's say personality um, yeah and I think maybe possibly re-home. a rehomed yeah. dog would be a really yeah. really good idea would you bring the other dog along sometimes you can if you speak yeah. to the centre the rehoming centre I know the ISPCA are very keen to make sure that let's say a new dog being placed in a new home will get on with all of the occupants as it were Yeah. so have a chat to them about the dog you have and um, their personality and your situation and your housing situation um, and general routine and they're very very good at matching up owners and situations with Great the idea. perfect dog and I think you're doing a great thing in giving a rehome dog a second chance. Yeah, 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 and it would be great company for your own little uh, Jack Russell. Mm-hmm. Uh, hi, uh, this is Kay. Uh, hi, Patricia. A question for Jane, please. Should I worry about lung worms? I've got a golden retriever and I walk him a lot on high grass. Many thanks for any update. Mm, this is a really interesting one, actually. So lungworm is becoming a little bit of a hot topic in veterinary, actually. Um, so it's essentially very much like worms that would, let's say, live in the intestines and you might find them in the poo out the back end. Lungworm is a little bit different. It lives in the body, but it lives within the lungs and the vessels surrounding the lungs. Oops. OK, um, now, not good, not good, yeah. not good at all. Now, it's not the most common thing in Ireland. Okay. Um, it's very, very common in the UK at the moment. Um, it changes a lot with the weather um, what I would say is it's very dependent on the snail population um, snails and slugs because it's transmitted through them so one of the the stages of the mini little life cycle of the lungworm is transmitted through the snail so a lot of the time it will be dogs that like to eat snails or slugs and in, in the garden and you'll be surprised a lot of them do okay. um, or ones that will come into contact with that so what I would say is it can it can be very weather dependent. Uh, and so very it isn't just high dependent. high grass. It's not that just what high grass. Is talking about okay. It's something that's a well established problem in the UK, but it's becoming more and more apparent over here. So I would say the best thing I sh- I could advise is protect against it. We do see occasional cases. Um, so the easiest way to do it, to be honest, is to use a worming tablet. And it's the same worming tablet that you will be giving in most cases oh, to deal it? with roundworms and tapeworms. So speak to your vet. Some products on the market will will be perfect for lungworm. Some, some so won't cover that. So the dog may be already protected by the worm Depending dose. on yeah. what, worming, what, okay. what wormer you're using. So check with your vet. I think it's best to just perfect, protect um, for it in any case because it's the simplest thing to do. And just keeping up with your worming. Normally for an, an average active dog, every 
every three months or so with an average product is perfect. Um, it's a little bit more frequent in younger dogs, certainly. Um, but I think check with your vet, see what you're using already, see if that covers it. If not, your vet will be able to point you towards something that will cover the lungworm as well as other types of worms. Best prevented because it can be very serious, cause a lot of serious bleeding problems and unfortunately even death. All right. OK. Hi, uh, Jane. Can a small dog pick up arthritis when he's only seven? And if so, what are the symptoms? Mm, Somebody else is worried uh, about a small dog. Short answer is yes, you'd be surprised. Um, it's kind of like ourselves, really. Let's say arthritis is much more common in, let's say, the older people, as yeah. it were, in, in the older generation. But I suppose a lot of people throughout, let's say, young and middle age can also suffer from arthritis. But sometimes it can be slightly different. Usually if... If, let's say, a middle-aged dog is suffering from arthritis, it's because they will perhaps have had, let's say, a previous injury in that joint, which makes that joint environment not as nice as it would have been and before. And again, not unlike humans. Not unlike humans, yeah. exactly. Um, so I would say the main the main symptoms, really, will be not wanting to be as active on walks or perhaps even being a little bit stiff in the mornings and loosening up through the day. Um, not wanting to jump jump up and down on the sofa, run up and down the stairs. Things that they would normally do. Normally do, exactly. High impact activity on joints is usually quite sore so they'll usually try and limit that to a certain degree. Now every dog is different and some dogs despite the worst arthritis in the world will try and jump on the sofa regardless. Um, But I think if you have any concern and you are concerned that he is stiff or sore, visit your vet. Um, There are lots of let's say anti-inflammatory pain medications available if that's appropriate and if not it's really important just to to rule out other causes of lameness might not necessarily be arthritis so your vet will be able to examine your dog assess his gait when he's running and trotting but also have a good feel of everything and he may even suggest some investigations if they're appropriate so i think for a seven-year-old dog it's best to nip it in the bud if it is arthritis it's very manageable but there's other things it still could be yeah i suppose people think because it's seven it's deemed oh that's a young dog it Mm. couldn't possibly be arthritis but Mm. unfortunately it can and it's like with humans it can come on at uh, any age okay Mm -hmm. we leave it there jane thank you for that and uh, thanks for joining us that is uh, jane pickett of the island wood veterinary hospital in newmarket part of the mill street veterinary group and if you missed any of the advice you can catch up this afternoon on our podcast that's where i leave you for today thanks john paul mcnamara talk to you tomorrow 10 Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.